All right, I'm here with Fernando Reynaldos. We are going to show your, well, not your latest, but your second to last, I guess, short film on Monday at uh, Alamo Draft House at our reunion screening. Uh, I just, I just actually watched your. So, which one? What's the order of the films? Um, I did first the end, which is the one that we are screening this coming Monday, and then. A few months later, I shot Leo. Cool. And what was the, was it with similar teams, similar structure? Um, yes, pretty much. Um, we shot both of them in New York City. Uh, it was my first time uh, making a movie in New York City. And I worked with the same director of photography, Alice Boucherie, the same uh, production and costume designer, Alejandro Calero, and yeah, and pretty much all the team also in post-production were the same people, the same collaborators. How did you all come together? So um, I'm studying the MFA in film at Columbia University, and I've been collaborating with some of my classmates for both movies. Um, the production designer and costume designer is my husband, so I have pretty easy access to him <laughs> um, and he's great. Um, and the director of photography, I reached out to her to make the, sh the first one, the end, and she loved the script and she was very generous with the project and we've been collaborating together ever since in every project that I've done so far. Nice, how long have you been in New York then? For two years and a few months. Smack in the middle of a uh, pandemic. Was Almost, here. yeah. When I came to New York, um, international tourism wasn't allowed yet in the city. So it was pretty like empty and haunting city. I was very shocked when I saw New York so empty and the streets and everything. But wild experience, like getting to, you know, be introduced to New York when it's empty. And then watching it, you know, reawaken and fill up. What was that like? Well, it was very good because at first I was very shocked and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay here very long because it's, it's it was very impressive to see um, this huge city um, so empty. And then the awakening was like, it, it was giving me hope and, um, and I like it better when it's crowded and full of people and life. Um, okay. Yeah. You don't mind the chaos and the, and the you know, condemned, you know, uh, you know, just, just condensed people, everything, I don't know. I mean, I think it's great because New Year gives you the opportunity to also like be out of the chaos when you want and be part of the chaos when you want. So it's like, I live in a pretty quiet uh, neighborhood and uh, I have like many parks and uh, nature around. So I think you can have both when you're in New York, if you want. And that's something that I like um, about it. Are you from like a city or, or from a small town or what? I'm originally from a small town in the southeast of Spain. Um, its name is Murcia, M-U-R-C-I-A. Nobody knows about it, uh, but hopefully one day. 
when I make movies there. <laughs> and, but I moved to Madrid, uh, to the capital, when I was 18. And I went to uh, the university there. And yeah. So I've been living in Madrid for a few years before I moved to New York. Um, but originally, I'm from a small town in the southeast. You think New York will be? You, you think New York will just be like where you finish school, or you think you'll stick around? I would like to stay around if I have the opportunity to work here. Um, but if not, I'll I'll go back. Uh, but I'm gonna try to stay around for a few years. I don't picture myself living here for my entire life as for now, but I'll try to stay if I can. What's the kind of demographics of, of your program at Columbia? Like, are you meeting a lot of Americans or is it international or what's it like? It's very international. It's a very diverse uh, cohort of people. Um, we have people from everywhere in the world, like South America, Asia, Europe, also American uh, people from North America. But it's very, very diverse, very international. Um, and I think that's something very unique of this program and very enriching too. That's cool. Do, and, and people make films not just here, but they they sometimes go back home to make them too. I was talking to Arthur Gay yesterday. He was saying, yeah, yeah, like when you like when you watch a movie, a Columbia movie from this program, uh, it can be shot anywhere, and normally they are. Uh, my last short movie that I shot last summer, I went back to Spain to to shoot it, and we're working on the post production right now. But yeah, it's it's very enriching to like watch so many movies from so many different places, and at, all of them belong to New York and Columbia University in a way because we all um, are growing together here. If that makes sense. Do you feel, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Do you feel that all those films are kind of tied together? They have similar feelings or, or technicalities or anything like that? <laughs> That's a good question. My classmates normally say that they can see when a short movie is like a Columbia movie, a Columbia short movie. I'm not that sure of it. Just because I feel like they've given us from the very beginning so much freedom to explore who we are and to develop our own stories in our own way, that I don't feel there is like a connecting tissue there, if that makes sense. But um, I would say that Columbia puts a lot of emphasis on the story and they are constantly like challenging us to like get deeper into what what is the thing uh, behind that story that you're connected to. And I feel like that's that could be something that you can easily tell from uh, every short movie that we are all trying to like find that thing that we are deeply connected to. Um, Do you see differences between programs between NYU, Columbia, you know, USC? I don't know different different schools. Yeah, I mean, I've only been to Columbia, but I I have some friends from NYU, and I know some people who went to um, the graduate program uh, in NYU, the film program. Um, and I think the main difference the main difference is that if you want to be a director of photography or like an editor or like a 
sound designer, like you would not come to Columbia, you would go rather to NYU because they give you the opportunity to get better at those like specific um, roles and they have they put more emphasis on the technical side of the making movies um, but yeah and now you could say like Columbia is emphasis is more in writing and directing uh, specifically but not anything else or producing who are like some of the filmmakers that have come out of Columbia that you really admire that were kind of like examples that got you into it? Um, well, I have a few. Um, uh, um, There are a few from Spain that I know that I deeply admire. I don't think they're that well known internationally, but Clara Roquette um, is one of them. Um, she's a screenwriter director from Spain. She made her first feature, whose title is um, Libertad. Um, and I really like that movie. And there is, um, well, also, I know that's going to sound stupid, but I think like the one that most of the people know is, and that I also like, is um, Jennifer Lee. She's the uh, creator of Frozen, which is so well known everywhere. Uh, and well, I, think, I sorry, I didn't realize that that was you know a Columbia grad. That's oh cool. yeah, Jennifer Lee. Uh, yeah, she wrote and directed Frozen, and she works at Disney now. Um, and I was, yeah, I was very shocked when I learned that she went to Columbia too, because I knew Frozen before I knew her. And it's, it's a huge phenomenon everywhere. Um, of course. Yeah. That's maybe the last organic, you know, original Disney phenomenon like that. I feel yeah. Like, right? I don't think they've invented anything since. Yeah, absolutely. And then I have to, I, I'm not sure, I, but, but Barry Jenkins, uh, the writer-director of, well, the director of Moonlight, I think he also went to Columbia. But I may be wrong in that one. Yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I don't remember. I think, he's, yeah. Does he, I, I know that there's, um, there's a nice alumni program, or not necessarily alumni, but they, they just have speakers. You know, I sent some filmmakers there to Tom Kalin. I guess he's the organizer. Puts, puts really cool things together. I wonder, like, are the students really excited by those things? Like, when you get filmmakers to come do screenings, like, does everyone show up to those, or are they kind of, like, blasé? It depends on the... And who they bring you know it depends on the person who's coming and on the movie uh some of them they get a lot of attraction and then people are like fighting to get a seat <laughs> in the screening uh some others are not that uh popular among the students uh but it's, it also depends sometimes like the program is so intense that you cannot go to everything they bring um so Sometimes you just cannot make it because either you have class or you, or you have assignments or you're shooting an exercise. So it depends, but 
Yeah, because my school, Emerson, I went to Emerson in Boston, and my school, like, very mixed results when they do those kinds of programs. Like, sometimes people don't show up. And I don't know. My experience in film school was very strange. You know, I thought that, I guess it's just life. It's just, like, I'm very, very passionate about the movies. I go to movies every day, even now. And it's just um, most people don't. And so when I was in school and I wasn't surrounded by movie obsessives, that was a very startling reality for me. I, I thought that that, I thought it was like, that's where I thought that's what I was going to do. And that it wasn't that I'd be going to the movies on my day off and other people didn't want to do that was insane to me. That, that made no sense to me. Like, wait, what are we doing then? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always very enriching when you get to, like, not only watch a movie, but have the first-hand experience of the person or people or team who made it um, there in the room with you. Um, and that's something that I appreciate very much. Um, um, I didn't know you went to Emerson. That's... I. Mm -hmm. I, I I know Emerson College. Uh, I applied to that school too, and I had like a great experience. Like it was, I was, I almost go there um, because I loved every everyone I met from the program and how nice um, and friendly and uh, professional they are. Um, that's, yeah. that's nice to hear. I also met with one of the students. I don't remember his name. That was like two years and a half ago or three years. Um, there was, we, we met through Zoom when I was in Spain, and he was super helpful. And they sent me like a bunch of short movies that um, students have done for thesis work, and I and I, I love them. I remember watching them um, and and loving them. Yeah, it's changed. I was talking. It's changed so much. You know, every school, just film school, was like very rudimentary back when I was there. Very few people made movies that like were worth watching you know they, they weren't they were exercises mm -hmm. they weren't really like movies they weren't like complete thoughts but now everyone is the is like these fully formed filmmakers who are so advanced i don't know if it necessarily makes the movies better because the energy the thing in my opinion the thing that that makes a movie good and compelling and, and connecting to audiences is not necessarily all that education and all that, you know, efficacy. But so, you know, it's, it's almost like the attributes have increased so much of each student. Like my class was very like not trained but your class is very, very, very trained. But I would venture to guess that it would churn out the same amount of, you know, real powerful filmmakers. It's not really the tools. You know, you give, same thing I was talking to Arthur last night about like budgets and stuff. Like I've always called BS on budgets. Like people don't need budgets to there's there's certain things certain technical things certain kinds of movies that require those budgets but um 
to express an idea and connect with someone is is going is is free. You know, you, it's being thoughtful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Do they? Is there a lot of theory? Is there a lot of like um, you know? Do you watch movies and talk about them, or is it mostly like ex you know practicums and stuff? So the core of the program is very hands-on. Um, it's very practical. Um, however, they have like the uh, film media studies uh, theory program, um, and we can take as many cinema history classes as we want. Um, and I've taken a few, and they are. And you you get to watch uh, a movie every week and talk about it and uh, learn from it. Um, so it depends on what you want. Like it's not the main focus of the program, but you can certainly uh, enroll to these classes and take them and watch movies every week. I never got anything out of the um, the technical stuff. Film school for me was always just. The most enjoyable things were sitting around and talking about movies, you know, like uh, some classes when you had a good teacher and a good room of people who really cared. Just, just very cool, like experience that you don't get, even like with reunion, with what I, you know, with what I have. We don't sit around, you know, it's not like the same environment of like we all just watched a movie. Now let's talk about it, like, and it's like ten, twenty people just you know sharing thoughts and opinions and questions and answers you get that on youtube you know that's where that discourse is but unless you're in a film class i'm always thinking about like, like and, I, and i maybe should of like going back to school and having like one or two you know classes a week that i go to where i'm watching movies and discussing them with people it's a muscle it's a, it's a really I love it. I love, I mean, my whole library, you know, I love reading books on movies. I watch tons of movies. Whenever I watch movies that do something for me, I love to go do some reading on what people's you know, feelings are, or some of them have, some of them, like, there'll be podcasts on them, which are effectively just, like, recording a film class. Um, but yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, me too. I think it's, when you learn, it's actually when you watch movies and uh, when you think about them, um, talk about them with other people and analyze them. Um, we have many workshops, even if it's not like about movies. Um, uh, it's like the screenwriting workshops are pretty much about like bringing material to class and think about it and think about other movies that have been done that are similar or different and the reasons why. And there's a lot of... Um, talking um, and there is a lot of thinking together um, about movies, uh, even if it's the one that we're bringing to class that we expect to make one day. And there is a lot of value in that for sure. What are some movies that you've watched and, and talked about that you've gotten really like invigorating conversations about? You mean in the, in the, in the workshops like, or in general at Columbia? of like movies even back you know 15 years ago that like i remember having really enlightening conversations in class about yeah so 
right now I'm taking this cinema history class uh, in which they screen a movie every week um, and it's focused on the 60s, 70s and 80s um, and early 90s too. And we watched um, The Double Life of Veronique. Uh, I don't know. If you, and Islavsky, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so crazy like the many layers that this movie has in so many ways and it 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 informs my writing and my directing very much because it's in a way it's so different from the classical structure three acts structure whatever and and yeah and it works so well and and you love it when you watch it and it makes you think so that one has been one of the ones that I've enjoyed the most um, and that I found very inspiring. We also watched a movie that not many people know about. Um, its name, its title is The Palm Broker. I don't mm -hmm. know, do you know it? Um, yeah, Rod Steiger. Yeah. Th that I movie blew my mind, absolutely, when I watched it. Um, Tyrell Pinter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pawnbroker's a cool one. Pinter's Pinter's Wild. My favorite Pinter is the Schrader Pinter is is uh Venice is is um what's it called? Um Comfort of Strangers. Oh, I haven't watched that one. Man, it'll mess you up. That's my favorite Paul Schrader and my favorite Harold Pinter and my favorite Venice movie, which is all, which are all big statements. I'm going to add it to my letterbox. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's peak Christopher Walken. Goes, you know, goes without very easily saying it's peak Rupert Everett and Natasha Richardson. Helen Mirren kind of plays a side, a sidebar, but Christopher Walken gives a speech three times and it's incredible. Rips your rips your heart out. Yeah, pawnbroker's cool. I was reading something. I was reading some film book that pawnbroker was, you know, played. Forget what it was. Oh, it was the method book. It just came out last year. Uh huh. Because I, I guess that was a key one in Kazan, was it? I don't mm -hmm. know. So whoever did it was like it was a big point on the like development of the method acting technique into you know uh, cinema, and Pawnbroker was was an advancement of of what Rob Steiger did in that. I think that's the book I was reading. Um, which is a cool book to read if you're in film school too, because it's kind of you know the uh, the proto film school, all of that world, the Harold Clermans and Stella Adlers and all of that um, emerging in New York City back in the day. You know the the you the, the you of the world was with them back in the fifties and stuff like that, and it's cool to know that the roots of that. I mean, they're still here, and and they're very much in the in the framework of what you're doing in the day-to-day -day. it's a cool book yeah I, I, i'll take it out i had never known you know how russian 
all of it was until I read, you know, the first third of the book is, is all Russia. And it's not until a third of the way in you get like, you get like a hundred years until we get to New York and it's a lot of Russia. And I never knew it all in such detail, obviously like Stanislavski and a lot of these people clearly came from Russia, but I didn't understand the roots and how developed it was before it came mm -hmm. and that there was such reaction to doing it against the Russian grain, you know, to evolving it or changing it, whatever you want to consider it. Um, I didn't understand the arc. It's, it's really, it's cool. I read that at the same time I was reading things like tough Jews and, uh, a few different books like that, that are all kind of concurrent. So like the, you're looking at like, nazi germany and the jews the jewish gangsters in new york and chicago and florida and la at the same time you could see the correlations between jewish gangsters and stu the studio system i read yeah i read all these books this year the, the new book on the studio system um the, i mean the uh the afi book that has all the interviews that is incredible and like reading all of those in the same, you know, headspace and seeing how like the war, anti-Semitism, Russia, the studio system, the method acting classes, how all of it intertwined. It's it's cool. It's all connected, deeply connected. All yeah. those books, they all like the same characters pop up, the same events. You you can listen two stories of the same event from the angle of how it impacted Hollywood, how it impacted US policy, how it impacted, you know, fighting overseas, how it impacted ideology, how it impacted, you know, someone writing a script for some movie that would eventually come to be Casablanca, you know, it's cool stories. It's funny how two movies are a reflection of the time that we live in, um, in a way, and that's, I think what you're saying it's very related to that because it's like in the end they were all tackling the same um issues or like we're, we're exploring the same tools in different ways but in the end there is like something that puts all of them together and that's the time where the movies were done and what people were um exploring is not that different uh in a way the historiography of it, yeah, is yeah. very vital. There's a an article also, like I mentioned Casablanca, I think because it's in my brain that there was Airmail, this uh, weekly publication did an, did like a deep dive on the, the twin brothers who wrote a lot of the dialogue in Casablanca and they were just these two Jewish guys who were worked for higher writers and they are the ones responsible for all of these classic lines mm -hmm. and just like we divorce ourselves from the context you know casablanca what is it 1942 movie what, what year did it come out 1942 yeah 42. it's a 42 movie like about the war we don't think about that as like that was shot and released during the war like the camps the concentration camps were active like where we watch um uh What's it called? The Jonathan Glazer 
um it's out now the um the, the new jonathan glazer movie about auschwitz what's it called um you know what i'm talking about yeah i don't know the title actually the zone of, yeah um we watched the zone of interest and like oh, yeah. you know we're so we're, we're we're you know 60 years whatever away from it but like casablanca came out during the war and and people you know it, it, there's there's the underbelly of the the you know the I'm, I'm jewish and like there's the underbelly in casablanca of all the jewish issues in it while the people are in concentration camps like it's just it's crazy to think about things like that that you get them contemporaneously back then and and like this is the presentation it's not like you're you know you don't have your screens you don't have your instagram updates of like every single you know five minutes you get a different infographic and like that was culture that was influence that was communication yeah absolutely i really love being a student of that that's what you know like i'm 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 kind of like a weird i was i was a weird film student because a lot of people went there for different reasons and i'm like no 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 like i'm, I'm just such a nerd about this stuff like i just love i love movies so much like i would watch six movies a day like and just people didn't people didn't do that and i would be reading the books on the movies while i'm watching them and like getting all the texture and all the you know 360 degrees about it that, that's why like reunion is what reunion is because that's like why i'm you know i, I think it's it's cool to talk to you um i like to you know this is exactly that is like getting the context of like what goes into you making these movies why are you making them what's you know what's your headspace what's your development and then like it's cool flash forward a few years and like your feature comes out or whatever and it's and like i have a little more i i, I know where that timeline evolved and I think that's really cool. And you watch that movie with a little bit. I, I, I say this thing about the Uncanny Valley, uh, just using the same concept, not not the like AI aspect of it, but it's like you have your more for for when you, for for receiving for consumption for like taking in art. And there's like the ignorance is bliss phase where you're just like you know you take it passively and it's just like entertainment, cool spectacle, funny, sad moving whatever and then you start to learn more about it but you basically learn just enough to criticize and then you actually enjoy less but then when you go further in and you know enough to not only beyond criticize but you can actually see more of it and you, and you see the humanity in it so you don't just you don't just read the singles the signals and the symbols better but you see the person inside of the work and then all of a sudden you can connect your person to the work that you're watching. You're watching a, you know, an amorphous thing. And now all of a sudden it's given flesh. And that's when you really get the gold. And that that's why I encourage people to, to care, you know, to watch more, to talk more, to learn more because, and that, and that's why I like to present movies the way that I present them with the people there with you know the, the ability to to engage immediately and share your feelings and bounce them off people because there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow and if you stay in the critical zone 
you're you lose so much but if you can get to the place where you watch the movie and you know the person behind it nothing better on earth yeah i agree that's absolutely true and sometimes when you're making movies you're not even aware of the, the things that belong to you that you put in them and how like your vision of the world and the, comes through what you make uh, in different ways and i think when you um experience uh watching your movies with other people uh hearing what the movie is uh making to the audience or like what are they making them think or feel that also it's very illuminating of yourself and your work in ways that you m may not even be um aware of when you made them um so yeah i mean i i enjoy it very much when i when i watch the short movies that I've done with other people and they help me to better understand them in a way. What have you watched? Like, what have you learned from watching your movies with other people? What, what, what is maybe like an instance of like an epiphany that you had? So with the short movie, the end that we're going to watch this Monday, I, I didn't expect people to, some people, uh, to think that they were, um, to sisters or um, to friends or even like a mother and a daughter when the two actresses are the same age. And that was very shocking to me because it, to me, there's a, a love relationship from the beginning. Like I, I, that was very clear to me and that reads very clear to me. But I guess it doesn't for everybody, probably because of the assumptions that we still have as a society of what two women can be together, especially like two elderly women. So that that was one thing that I wasn't expecting um, from some viewers. And that made me think a lot about my own assumptions um, of society in a way. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure about what I felt their relationship to be, but... But you know what? I always ask people who are not sure about it, what could you have thought if they were a man and a woman of the same age? I think you could have assumed that they were a lovely couple. So, and you, you would not, I, I don't think people would have wondered, oh, maybe they are two siblings, or maybe they are, a father and a daughter or a, a mother and a son like i don't think nobody could have thought that and i think yeah. that's very telling in a way and I, i'm not blaming people i'm not blaming anybody like you know it's just like i think but it's conditioning it's it's just what it is it's 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 how we work which is cool because i think we we need to we need to deconstruct, deconstruct like all these beliefs that we have, or how 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 we think things are. Um, well, there's the default narrator of the white male that, like, yeah. if you read a book, you just naturally assume that, and and it's not otherwise, it's not told otherwise. You default to thinking that you're reading the character as a white male. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that's still accurate, but I've just you know known that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but I think, and, it, and it's not a bad thing by itself. Like it's a reality that we need to like be aware of and try to deconstruct it. 
so that like there are like other realities and other options that we can have in our minds before when, when we react to something um like be more open in a way in a conscious way for me the subject of a white male is entirely uninteresting when when i write i write myself and then i write other people but the idea of writing you know a default character like that makes no sense i i default against it actually like i'm writing a script right now that is not me sometimes it's me and this one is very much not me but it's there was never a time where i considered making it a straight white guy it would have made the least sense to do that yeah i think to me what it's exciting about writing and directing is that you get to put yourself in somebody else's feet in a way like you get to like explore human nature from different perspectives and and and, and, and you get to learn more about human nature from a very universal way if that makes sense and that can apply to like many different characters um genders uh, races you know it's like what what is the universal thing or the human thing that we all connect to is what drives me when i write and when i direct um and i think it's interesting to like try to see in which category or with how you write characters um and how you understand them no matter how related you are to them or not personally so what's next for you you said you're cutting a film that you shot in madrid yes uh, actually no i went back to my rural town um oh. in the countryside yes um yes and we're working on the editing of it right now um hopefully it will be done in a few months um and i'm also working on the i'm right now thinking about what's going to be my next short movie i have a few scripts and i'm not quite sure what which one i'm going to make next and i'm also working on the development of my first feature uh the script level um and i'm also like thinking about different options that i'm not quite sure which one i'm going to pick um there are so many things going on in the world right now. I feel like I'm also like pretty much affected by the um, global situation of so many conflicts everywhere. Um, and yeah, I, that's what I'm working on right now, but mainly focusing on the post-production of my next short movie. Um, it's the first time that I shot in my hometown um, and it's a very, um personal story uh, about my childhood uh growing up in a rural town as a um queer child um and yeah and how i was influenced by the traditional values around around me and my family and friends and neighbors i'm excited to watch it that's cool glad you're there well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for making your movies. And I'm excited to screen on Monday. And I hope everybody listening joins us. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be part of the reunion. I'm, 
I'm very excited and grateful um, every time I have a chance to show what I've done because in the end we make movies for people to watch them and experience them and that couldn't be possible if we don't have the uh, space um, to do so. So I'm excited to get to know the reunion audience and be part of this family. So thank you for doing it. Well, invite all your friends, everyone's welcome and uh... We'll have, we'll have a nice time on Monday. Yeah, I'm very excited. Also because uh, the two actresses are coming from the movie and it's going to be their second time watching the movie with an audience. And I know it's very special for both of them. And so thank you also for, for giving us the opportunity to have this uh, screening with them too. That's really exciting. I'm, I'm very happy they'll be there. I look forward to meeting all of, all of them. Yeah. Great. Okay. Right, well, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thanks again. Thank for you. Taking of course. You too. Bye bye. Okay.